Welcome back, Nexus Church family, to this edition of Nexus News. What do we got coming up this week, Liam? We have Nexus Connect Crew on Thursday, January 14th at 6 p.m. Ah, this is a great time to connect together through God's Word and digging into what He has to say for us today. And we get to do it together. It's a great time. Hope that you can come. And uh, the next couple of weeks, we got something come up. What is that special night? Nexus Night at the Hop. That's right. We like to do it about mid-month in uh, every month at 6 o'clock. And we go to 8 o'clock, and you can come when you need and leave as you need. Uh, but it's just a wonderful time. We enjoy having all the people who show up throughout the night. And then, uh, then we have one last thing coming up in the next month. Do you remember anything about that? Uh, I think it was something involving the State of the Church. That's right. State of the Church address is going to be coming up in a, about a month or so, depending on where the numbers are with COVID and when we can meet together as far as uh, having an after-service celebration. Uh, but we want to focus on all the good things that happened in 2020 and look forward to what we're looking at for 2021. Hope to see you at that. But I think that's everything, Liam. Mm -hmm. Well, you guys have a great rest of your week, and uh, we look forward to seeing you again.
Nexus Church family. Man, I just love spending time in worship. And today we begin a new series. Uh, this series is one that is looking at the book of Mark. And as we enter into this season post Christmas, 
It's a time of looking into Jesus' life as he walked this earth. Uh, we call it truly epiphany. And an epiphany is a revealing of Jesus himself and how we are to relate with him. Now, in this particular epiphany season, we are looking into the book of Mark, and we're going to be following in the book of Mark Jesus' life and what he called his followers to. Now, it doesn't take too long in the book of Mark to to see uh, Jesus' first encounter with his followers, and predominantly, we're going to be focusing on one instance today where Jesus is baptized. And today, if you are listening as this is live, uh, if for some crazy reason you are feeling led to be baptized, right behind me we have our baptism tank. And at the end of service today, as a celebration at our altar time, we're going to be doing baptisms. And if you are close enough to make it here in time, we would absolutely love to baptize you today. And if for some reason you're, you're a little too far and you can't make it, we're going to allow the baptism tank to be here next week as well. And it's warm, so don't worry. All you need is just to change of clothes. We even have towels for you that you can dry off with. But this is, this is something that, as we will read today, is a direct command from God. This is something that is to be done by everyone who professes faith in Jesus as a public proclamation of their faith. But before we get into that particular place in our message today, we want to take a look at God's voice. This may seem a little uh, contrary to maybe what some of you have, have uh, looked at when, when you start talking about baptism and about Jesus' baptism. But something happens in Jesus' baptism that is absolutely powerful. In fact, you have an instance where you have the Trinity all at the same place at the same time, and you can pinpoint their exact place in the Godhead. But we also have this in the book of Genesis, where God is there and so is the Spirit. And of course, Jesus, back in John in chapter 1, says that he was in the beginning with God as well. And so we're going to take a look at Genesis chapter 1, and we're going to read just a few passages, and then you can read the rest of chapter 1 for yourself. But I want to highlight in this first few verses how God speaks and the power of His voice over creation. You see, we're going to lead up to Jesus' baptism when the Father proclaims, this is my Son. And we see right away here in Genesis chapter 1, the very first thing that we read in the Bible, that God and His voice is so powerful that out of nothing comes existence. And so Genesis chapter 1 verse 1 says, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness covered the surface of the watery depths and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Then God said, 
his voice. He spoke out, let there be light. And there was light. Out of darkness came light. The power of God's voice created everything that is illuminated. Like, think of a world without light. You would see nothing. You wouldn't know if there's existence. God First and foremost, the most important thing that is created in this physical realm is light, and He created it out of darkness. God saw that the light was good, and God separated light from darkness. God called light day, and the darkness He called night. There was evening, there was morning, one day. And so God spoke out of nothing, and there came existence. In fact, he did this six more times, and each time God spoke, we read, and it was so. When God speaks, things happen exactly as he proclaims them to happen. God has a powerful voice where he creates all things. But yet, God's power is not just relegated to creating things. He continues to have power over His created things. Let's turn to Psalm chapter 29 and read how David proclaims the power of God's voice continuously over his creation. So often people like to to think of God in the terms of he created things and then he just left it all to do what it needs to do. And it sustains itself. No, God continues to be powerful over his creation. So much so that he continues to speak over his creation and still things respond to the voice of God. He is in control. Ascribe to the Lord, verse 1 says in chapter 29 of Psalms, you heavenly beings. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due His name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of His holiness. The voice of the Lord is above the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord above the vast water. The voice of the Lord is power. The voice of the Lord is splendor. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon skip like a calf and Sarion like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord flashes flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord makes the deer give birth and strips the woodlands bare. In his temple, all cry glory. The Lord sits enthroned above the flood. The Lord sits enthroned, king forever. The Lord gives his people strength. The Lord blesses his people with peace. The power of God's word, his voice, created the world and continues over it. You see, God is powerful. And when he speaks, things happen. But not only is his voice powerful, not only is is what he says happening, but it's also personal. And he speaks over each one 
of us. You see, we see this in our text today when Jesus enters creation. And as we just celebrated this beautiful story of Christmas and God coming to earth, but yet Jesus came to a small town. Jesus came being born in a feeding trough. He was raised in this meaningless town from this meaningless region, void of spiritual prowess, right? Jesus comes out of nothing, and he rises out, and Mark picks him up, going to a man, an eccentric man, who spent his time in a dirty river, wearing interesting clothes, eating weird food. And John proclaims of this Jesus that he, he would be greater. But yet Jesus comes into the scene in the book of Mark and is baptized by this eccentric man in a very interesting part of the region. And he's baptized. The one who was supposed to be ruler over all gets baptized by this man. And, and if you understand in this time in, in history, being baptized underneath this person means you become a follower of this person. You are aligning yourself up with this and saying, I am a follower of John the Baptist this wasn't the way Jesus was supposed to come. He was supposed to come as a mighty ruler, as one who had the authority and power. And yet Jesus comes as a lowly servant, humble, lining up with his cousin, John the Baptist. And so we pick it up in John or in Mark chapter 1, verse 4. After that very short introduction, we read, John came baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him, and they were baptized by him in the Jordan River, confessing their sins. John wore a camel hair garment with a leather belt around his waist and ate locusts and wild honey. He proclaimed, one who is more powerful than I am is coming after me. I am not worthy to stoop down and untie the strap of his sandals. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. We'll pause there. Right? As I was just saying, Jesus comes and John is proclaiming that there's one coming after me. And if you, you read the other gospel accounts, we know that John sees Jesus coming. He's like, that's the one. He is the one I was telling you about. And Jesus turns around and says, I'm going to be baptized by you. Like, that's backwards. That's not the way things were happening. John should have been baptized by Jesus, but Jesus flipped the script. And why was that? Why did Jesus do that? We're about to find out. Because this is exactly how Jesus was supposed to come. And as he goes down, he comes back up. And the most 
powerful voice gets proclaimed over him. Right? The voice of God. The one who spoke and light came out of darkness. The one who spoke and created every single being in existence out of nothing. He spoke. In those days, Jesus came. This is verse 9 of chapter 1 of Mark. Jesus came from Nazareth, an unknown town, right? <laughs> Nothing good, as, as Nathaniel would say, can come out of Nazareth. And Galilee and was baptized in the Jordan by John. And as soon as he came up out of the water, he saw the heavens being torn open. Now, in the Greek, that's like a literal ripping open, right? Like, there is no doubt when this is happening that everybody is like freaking out. Like, what is going on in the sky? Is like the end of the world coming? Like, Jesus is going down and everybody in the region is seeing that the, the skies are being torn open. This is, this is a literal ripping of the sky. The heavens were being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove, right? The same Spirit that hovered over the waters of the earth in creation came upon Jesus. This was a physical thing that they saw with their own eyes and they knew exactly what it meant because these people were intelligent. They knew the Old Testament, their scriptures, front and back. They have these things memorized. And they knew that this spirit that was covering Jesus was there as a representation of the Father. The God, Yahweh, came upon Jesus and then, after this, heavens are torn open. The Spirit comes down and descends upon Jesus. The Father spoke. The Father spoke. And people are really catching on. And the voice came from heaven and said, You are my beloved Son with you. I'm well pleased. At that point, nobody doubted who Jesus was. He was and is the Son of God. This moment in history set Jesus up with everything he needed. He had the power. He had the backing of the Father. He was ready. He was empowered. He was backed. And he was ready to do the ministry. And Jesus now went out with power. Jesus now went out and everybody knew that he had authority. The Holy Spirit was on him. The Father backed him. He was ready to go. He also set us an example to follow. This wasn't something that he had to do. This was something he wanted to show. For all those who would follow after him would know that they too 
are to make a public proclamation of their following of him. In the same way he was baptized, we now too are to be baptized. We are to continue this tradition. And we see this perfectly in the book of Acts chapter 19. I love this passage so much because it links exactly this passage that we just read, that Jesus came to be baptized by John, but now we are to follow in line with Jesus' baptism. Not John's baptism, Jesus' baptism. And, And the way Luke writes this in the book of Acts helps us to just see it unfold perfectly before our eyes. John 9, or Acts 19, verse 1, we read, While Apollos was in Corinth, Paul traveled through the interior regions and came to Ephesus. He found some disciples and asked them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Like, he knew, he knew, they understood the good news that Jesus came. He knew it, but they didn't get the full knowledge that Jesus actually died and rose from the grave, right? Like, they, they only had a partial understanding. We continue and we read. No, they told him, we haven't even heard there's a Holy Spirit. Like, something didn't get translated down to them all the way. So then he asked, into what were you baptized? He asked them, into John's baptism, they replied. Paul said, John baptized with a baptism of repentance, telling the people that they should believe in the one who would come after him, that is Jesus. So they, they, they had knowledge of Jesus, but they didn't get the full knowledge. They, they were incomplete in their understanding of who Jesus was. No doubt they heard about Jesus. Everybody heard about Jesus in the region, but they fell short of the knowledge of what Jesus did on the cross in his conquering of the grave. And so when they heard this, they were baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. They stepped from the baptism of John for repentance of their sins because they understood that they had fallen short of God's glory. But now, now they were baptized into the name of Jesus who forgives sins. And much, much like his <laughs> baptism, They went down and they came out new, followers of Jesus, empowered by the Holy Spirit. And so when they were baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus, and when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began to speak in other tongues and to prophesy. Now there were about 12 men in all. They, just like Jesus, when he came up out of the water, the Holy Spirit fell on him. The Holy Spirit now had fallen on them. They were empowered to live the full life that God had for them through Jesus. They had repented. They had believed in the one who would forgive. But now they had full life in Jesus. And so I want to ask you the same thing that Paul asked those Ephesians. Have you been baptized? You see, when we walk into this life in relationship with Jesus, if you've asked Jesus to forgive you of your sins, if you have said, I'm going to live for you, and and I know that every day I need to wake up and make a decision to follow you, if you've done that, if you've entered into this life of of giving yourself to the lordship of Jesus, and you say, "I'm, 
I'm letting him have control of my life. If you've done that, you have one thing to do after that. As a proclamation of your faith in him, the Bible says we are to be baptized. We are to be baptized. We read in Acts chapter 2, verse 38. You know, you can go back and and read this beautiful passage in in Acts chapter 2, but it kind of parallels Acts chapter 19 in many ways. But we get to this end of this amazing summarization that, that Peter gives to those who are listening. On the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came. People were speaking in all these different languages. And then those who were listening on the outside were like, what happened these people are speaking in different languages, but they're all of, of this one faith, this one nationality. But they're speaking in different languages. What's going on here? And they started making fun of them, saying that they're drunk and all these different things. And Peter gets up and he absolutely lays out the gospel message beautifully. And when he gets done, the people respond and they say, what should we do? We believe. We believe exactly what you said. We believe that Jesus died to forgive me of my sins and get me right with God so I can be with him forever. What do we do now? Like, we've decided to follow. How do we become a true follower? And Peter responds, now that you believe, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, right? This happens immediately when you fall in line with Jesus and you say, I'm going to follow you. You must be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Once you make this commitment to following Jesus, the Bible says that our response after that must be that we make this public proclamation by being baptized. That is just a command that is in the Bible that we can't get around. And so have you been baptized? If you have not been baptized in water, I cannot encourage you enough to follow through and be baptized as the Bible says. And to share with you just a little example of their own walk with baptism, I asked my son to sit down with me, and and we had a little interview with him and how his baptism went, and I would love to share that with you right now. Hey, Nexus family, we are Flipping the script on this one, your host Liam is usually the one with all of the breaking news that he needs to share with you. And today, as the co-host, I get to flip the script and ask him, what in the world is this baptism to him? We've talked about how the baptism is something that obviously the Bible talks about. Jesus set an example for us to follow. But why is it important to you, Liam, that one would get baptized? What, what's it meant for you in your life? Well, for me, I feel it's important for people to get baptized because it helps us draw closer to God. And it allows us to 
feel fresh and we are renewed. We are a new person. You have just gotten one step closer to God. Mm. Well, that's, that's pretty accurate. I would say that follows right in line with what the Bible talks about when we're baptized. We are then filled with the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit, of course, uh, makes you new. It lives in you. It cleans you. It it empowers you, it helps you to remember all things that God has taught you. So those are very important things. So uh, when were you baptized? I was baptized, I believe, when I was about seven. About seven years old. So at that point, you had believed in Jesus as your Savior. He forgave you of your sins, and you understood the importance of that. And so you decided that it was a good time to be baptized. Where were you baptized? I was baptized in the front of the church in a tank. In the same tank that we are mm -hmm. baptizing in today, you were baptized yeah. in as well. Um, what was that day like for you? Uh, I was really nervous leading up to the plane because it was there was a line of people and it was kind of like, do I really want to do this? I, I just got nervous. I didn't know the half of why I was nervous, but I knew one of the, I knew part of it was that I was scared of going underwater because she was seven year old. Going underwater without goggles and just plugging your nose and shutting your eyes is a big deal. But in the end, I felt pretty peaceful and it all went smooth. Very awesome. So you would say that it was a, a great experience. Did you have anything happen after that? You really kind of felt like, man, that was that was really a powerful time. Um. Not really that I can think of, but I know for some people that can make a huge impact on your life and you can notice things. Something different for everybody. And the important thing is, is it is something that, that Jesus set as an example for us to follow, the Bible tells us to do. And today, uh, we really hope that uh, you would make that stand and join with millions of others who have given their life publicly and as an example of their faith in Jesus. And so uh, hopefully that is something that you are encouraged to do. And if maybe not right now, God is still working in your heart to help you to feel right about that. Uh, we're praying for you that you would join us in that awesome proclamation and, and we could celebrate with you a public stand in faith. And so join us again next time as we uh, dig into what God has to say in our interview section time of Nexus News. We'll see you again. What a great example of how one person experienced their baptism Sunday. Well, I love how Watchman Nee put it. He said, baptism is an outward expression of an inward faith. Perfect way of saying it. An outward expression of an inward faith. And today, we are making that proclamation with those who have decided to make that proclamation. And we want to encourage you, if you have not done that, to find a church. If you are obviously too far away to get baptized here at our local church, I encourage you to find a church where you can make that proclamation because this is something that Jesus modeled for us and we see the importance of it throughout scriptures and how when we do that, we get to experience the special power that is waiting for you to tap into. And so, Father, I pray today 
that those who are listening, Father, would indeed make that public proclamation. And maybe if there is somebody who is listening today who has not put their faith into Jesus, they don't even know what that means, I pray that they would reach out whether to us at Nexus or to somebody they know who is a follower of you, and they would ask, what can I do to become a follower? So that they can do exactly what the followers in Acts did. And they can be baptized and be filled with the Spirit and live a life that connects them to you. And they can experience the amazing gift of freedom in Jesus and eternal life with the Father. And so, Father, we thank you that you sent your son Jesus to forgive us of our sins, that he came to earth, he conquered death, he conquered sin, and he is now with you waiting for us to join him someday. And I pray that over every person, God, that they would receive that and they would enjoy the pleasure of being known by God and knowing God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, Nexus Church family online. Thank you for joining us today, and we'll see you again. You stood before.